The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show. And no, I don't have a cold, if I'm going to be honest. I just listened to a message from someone who I love so much. And you know what? I'm going to I'm going to let her I'm going to let her share her story. But before I do, please know that today's episode is maybe one you don't want to listen to with the kids. At least I would like for you to listen to it first on your own before deciding if it's something you should listen to with your children. This today is probably one of the most if not 100% the most important Shaleen show I've ever done. I only have one request. If you are at all moved by hearing this message, please do what you can to get this message out there. Send this podcast to your friends. Post it on your Facebook wall. Take a screenshot of your phone while the podcast is playing. Post it to your Instagram page. (sighs) Because there's a lot of people who need to hear this. Okay. Hi, my name is Kristen, and I am Shaleen's assistant for over 11 years and her podcast manager. I wasn't planning on speaking on this topic, but it is something that is very important to me and very close to my heart. At the age of 10, I was abused by our next-door neighbor for over a year. My parents trusted him, let me go off with him alone, as well as other kids in the neighborhood. I didn't feel comfortable enough telling my parents what was going on. I was afraid of how they were going to react. Plus, as any good predator, he made it very clear that it was all my fault. It is never a child's fault that they are being sexually abused. Fortunately, one of my friends reported him to their parents and the secret soon was out. He was prosecuted, actually died in prison, but that fear of being a victim, and yes, child sexual abuse is victimizing, stayed with me through my adult years. I became a mother, and I continued to push down all the feelings I had of nightmares and depression and anxiety to the point when my kids probably needed me most, I was having suicidal thoughts. I only tell you this and share my story. As a victim of child sexual abuse, that it is so important that if your children come to you with this, you believe them. You get them help. I did not get that help as a child, and I spent almost my entire adult life 
struggling with what happened. And as a mother who experienced child sexual abuse, it will affect your ability to parent, your interaction with your children. So if one person hears my story and takes something away from it, I hope it's this, that no matter how old you are now, how long ago it happened, get help. I did get help. I found an amazing doctor who saved my life through EMDR. It will change everything in your life, your perspective on motherhood, relationships, friendships, everything. But it's never, ever too late to get the help that you need and to live the life that you deserve. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Story time. Sierra, as you, my regular listeners know, is modeling. She's in L.A. and she's going to fit on the Fashion Institute in Los Angeles. And one of the reasons why she decided to go there and chose L.A. and the L.A. campus is because it would make it easier on her, what are they called, auditions that she was going on for modeling. Now, she's new to this. We went on a, a casting, I guess you, what, I'm not sure what you call it. It's like a scout. Like a scout found her and took her to this, or suggested that she go to this open audition for like Wilhelmina, Ford, the bigger agencies, a few smaller agencies. One of the smaller agencies at that scouting opportunity was a modeling agency, and I'm just going to use their name, Frank Models. Frank Models in San Diego. She had some interest from Wilhelmina, but they were just like, you know, we don't know what to do with you. You're really interesting, but we don't know what to do with you. So why don't you develop your book and hopefully we'll talk to you in the future. And then the other company that was interested in her was this company called Frank. And they were a new agency, but I really liked the vibe I got from them. They, you know, understood Sierra's look and her personality and they were starting this new agency that was at the time they were going to be known for what are called like citizen campaigns. Now a citizen campaign is, you know, when you think about like the way Apple advertises and the models they use, it's like, you know, unique, interesting people, like cool, different looks, like not your typical long blonde hair, blue eyes, long legs, you know, not just like really cool, like mixed ethnicities and freckles and crazy hair, you know, lots of tattoos, citizen type campaigns. That's what they're called. Real people is what I would say. Anyways, she signed with Frank Models. Didn't take it too seriously while she was in high school and she went on a few auditions but I think she kind of liked the idea of maybe doing it after school or after track so they were working with her it's called develop your book meaning like you know your portfolio the portfolio that you send when agencies are looking to hire models for campaigns so she was developing her her book if you will and one of the very first photographers they sent her to and by the way if you know you're with a certain agencies they pay for all that development so all of her photo shoots were paid for by frank and they would send us to these photographers and the photographers would you know take certain types of photos and that would go in her book and it's you know she's got some gigs from frank as well she did the adidas campaign if if you depending on when you're listening to this if you go to one of the adidas stores right now she's like the big giant face on the front of the store it's crazy is weird. Anyways, so she, you know, that was really fun and exciting for her. She likes it. It's not something she's like, okay, modeling is my life. She enjoys it. 
but she picks and chooses the opportunities. Anyways, just before Thanksgiving, we get an email from Frank letting us know that they will be closing for Thanksgiving to figure out what they need to do in light of the recent very upsetting allegations. And we're like, what is this? So of course, we go into research mode and learn that one of the photographers that they regularly use and whom Sierra had shot with, it was the very first photographer she ever shot with, that photographer had been arrested for sexually assaulting a girl, an underage model. And by the way, since that time, many other girls have come forward and was being charged with sexual assault on more than four women, distribution and importing of child pornography, and some pretty horrific things. And the funny thing is, is when Sierra and I both saw that notification from Frank, she's shot with a million photographers. One photographer came to mind immediately for me too, because of course, before she was 18, we went on all those shoots with her. I don't know who this, these people are. You don't need to be shooting my daughter. And I got a creepy vibe from him too. Creeps are creeps. It's hard to hide your creep factor, but they're also slick. Anyways, I don't like this guy. I don't like this man at all. He's a child predator. And if you were to go on his Instagram, you would see the disgusting creep that he is. And doing so all under the guise of helping girls launch their modeling careers. Isn't that just so noble? Anyways, he's photographed tons and tons and tons of girls. And I want answers. So I call Frank. I haven't still to this day as I record this, have not heard back from them. And maybe that's for legal reasons, but I'll tell you this much. They sure have been sending Sierra, because she's now 18, so that goes to her, sending her, oh, you know, we want to send you on this audition and that audition, so, you know, please be sure to quickly sign this new contract with our new company because we've dissolved Frank. Uh, yeah, homie, don't play that game. No, I want to know how you're handling the situation. I know that my daughter shot with that photographer, and I know that no one from your agency cares enough about these girls to find out if anything happened to Sierra. I know that there are other models who unfortunately did have very inappropriate, that's as much as I know, interactions with this 51-year-old scumbag where he's convinced them to pose nude. Yep. And this agency is the agency that paid for him to shoot these girls and was sending him these girls. And this agency hasn't reached out to find out from every single girl in their agency what happened? I don't know. Listen, I'm sure it's for legal reasons, but it's BS. And that's what this podcast is about. And I started reaching out to these girls because, oh, you know I am a whistleblower. I'm reaching out to as many of them as possible, saying, here's the number of the detective. If anything happened to you, if you know anything, call the detective. Call the detective. I'm going to be Frank's worst freaking nightmare. Yeah, you're going to rue the day. You know why? Because I don't care what adults think of me. I care what children have an opportunity to move forward and maybe get help if they need it and to be protected. Like someone needs to take care of these girls. Someone needs to look out for their best interest. Who knows what happened with this guy? But Frank was sending girls into the lion's den. I'm not saying they did so knowingly, but now you got to make it right. And no one's contacting these girls. 
I started listening to the Larry Nassar. He's the the doctor, the gymnast that all the gymnasts and athletes were seeing at Michigan State University, which is just such a black mark on my university. But he was the treating physician of all of these gymnasts. And I'm listening to that podcast right now. It's called Believed. And it just, it makes me want to vomit that parents didn't believe their daughters. Didn't believe them. The damage that you do to a child by suggesting that you don't believe them. I got a message today from someone on Instagram who told me they were sexually molested by their mother's new boyfriend from age 7 to 12. And when she came forward to tell her mother what this guy who eventually became her stepfather was doing, her mother made her take a lie detector test. Allow me to take a deep breath. I'm telling you, right now, mentally, just to relieve a little tension and to lower my shoulders, I am pinching this woman's head off. Like I am pinching so hard and her head is popping off into the sky. Like I want to, I'll leave it at that. Believe your children. If you have suspicions, listen to your gut. And don't give too, okay, I won't swear. And don't give a hoot about whether you're offending someone or not. You just can't. My children, I'm not trying to tell you, my rules should be your rules. But my kids weren't having sleepovers at people's homes unless I knew both parents, and I don't just mean I met them. I mean, I've gone out to dinner with them. I've spent time with them. I've been to their home. I've been in their home. I've had meals with them. I know how they interact. I know that there's not a creepy uncle who lives in the basement. I know that they, trust me, I always did this when my kids were little too. I did a Megan's Law check to find out what predators lived in the neighborhood. So there may be two families that I allowed my kids to go have sleepovers at their house. They did a lot of sleepovers at our house. They did sleepovers at grandmas and grandpas. But like, you just have to be vigilant about these things. I can't believe how many parents would roll, they would, my kids would come home from school and Sierra would be like, hey, mom, uh, Lisa wants to spend the night on Friday. I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, give her mom my phone number. And then I'd come pick up Sierra from school on Friday and there's Lisa with her bags packed. I've never talked to mom or dad. Can you imagine? Like, and I know what you're thinking. Well, Shaleen, they probably knew who you were. No, I'm telling you. These are situations, I'm telling you, these are people who did, maybe a couple times they did, but most often, no clue. No clue. People are just so caught up in their own problems and their own issues and trying to get their kids from point A to point B that they are going, oh, they're just trusting. They're trusting people and you shouldn't. Don't trust people. Here's another thing I'm going to say. It's a personal rule. Think about it. 84%, 84 of child sexual predators are male. 84%. For that reason, there are and were never any male babysitters. And I know that's horrible. You're like, gosh, my son babysits and he's wonderful and that's horrible for you to say. That's fine. That was my personal decision. I know that there are exceptions, of course. But I'm saying if you have to hire a stranger, right? Because we did. I hired girls who were in high school to come and babysit my kids who I met the day that they came over to you know stay with the kids while we went to see a movie 
But at least I vetted them. I knew other people who knew this young girl. and But I, true, I had never met them. But I would never do that with a boy, a boy babysitter, because the odds are much higher, 84%. And you can't look at someone and tell if they are a sexual predator. You can't tell. And your kids may not respond in a way that you think they're going to. Like you're thinking, oh, well, gosh, the kids would be upset if they knew he was coming over. No, because they know how to tickle the kids and bring them toys and presents and threats. And they know how to befriend that really nice neighbor you've got, that older gentleman who's offered to watch your kids, he's a widower now. No, no, the answer is no. Are you a male? No, okay, because there's an 84% higher likelihood. Be offended. That was my rule. I'm not gonna take that chance. I'm not gonna take that chance. And trust me, I know, I know, I know. You know this guy really, really well, and he's so awesome, and he's a youth leader, and all those other great things. Okay, awesome, great, you make that decision, and I trust your intuition, but I'm just telling you, you better cue into it, and just so you know, 84% higher likelihood that the sexual predator is a male than a female. How about this, 80% of sexual abuse committed to children is done by someone in their inner circle, often a family member. It's not stranger danger. It's familiar danger. Notice if you've got a relative or a family friend or so-and-so's boyfriend who just is a little too into the kids and wants to play hide and seek and tickle and watch movies under the covers. No, no, the answer is no. And if your child gives you any kind of indication that something has happened, do not do the following. Don't overreact. You overreacting, like let's say they come to you and tell you something has happened. Like I listened to this Larry Nassar podcast and they were talking about how this little girl told her, okay, this is gonna be graphic. So if you've got kids, you wanna put it on pause and listen to this later. But so she explains how Larry Nassar was a family friend and they would go there every Sunday and have dinner, her family with his family. He's an adult man. And he would come downstairs while the moms and the other husband are upstairs. He would come downstairs and say he was checking on the kids, but he was sexually abusing them in the basement. And then going back upstairs. And this went on for years, right there with mom and dad in the house. And when this little girl is seven years old and tells her mom and dad that Larry puts my feet on his penis, they freak out, which scares her. I think the mom said, that's not okay, that's not okay, that's not okay. Which, you know, as a parent, that might have been my reaction, right? Like you're thinking, no, this is not okay. Which you're, you're saying that in reference to Larry, but the child hears, you're not okay. You did something wrong. You made a mistake. You're in trouble. And that's how she interpreted it. It scared her. And she never said anything again to her parents until much later, at which time they accused her of lying. So don't freak out, even though you're going to want to. You're, you're going to want to scream. You're going to want to cry, you're going to want to blame yourself, you're going to want to kill someone. But the right reaction can save your child.
can really save your child years and years of traumatic additional pain. They want to be believed. They want you to throw their arms around them and say, it's okay. We're going to figure this out. You didn't do anything wrong. I love you. Thank you for telling me. I love you. Now, do you have to get answers to questions? Yeah, you do. But that very first reaction, imagine the courage that someone has to muster. A child has to muster because they know. Just children, they just know it's wrong. That's how we know it is wrong. And they already feel guilty. They already feel like it's their fault. They already feel shame. And oftentimes predators have already put that in their minds. And if you had a parent who didn't react the way you wish they would have, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You just have to remember times are different. We didn't know then what we know now. It doesn't mean that they didn't love you. It probably means they just couldn't handle it. It's so painful now as a parent to think about the fact that as vigilant and as diligent as we were as parents, I don't know. These things, they happen. They happen sometimes right under your nose. In so many of the stories with this doctor, Larry Nasser, the children, the girls were like 10 and 12 years old and the mom and dad were in the room. But he would stand because he's an evil monster. He would stand in such a way that he would position his body between the parents and the little girl so he could quickly do things that no one else could see in most cases but a few brave girls came forward and too many parents dismissed it children don't make these things up why would a child make these things up if your child is asking peculiar questions and taking an uncharacteristic interest in body parts and sex and things that seem very adult Take that as a cue. Just ask more questions. Stay calm. When in doubt, you can talk to your pediatrician. I'm not suggesting that you, you know, make this a big deal, but I am suggesting that you don't be afraid of it. Because despite how amazing you are as a parent and as vigilant as you are, things can still happen right under your nose with the people that you trust and the people that you love. And there's a very high likelihood that many of you listening have either had this very thing happen to you or it may have happened to your children or it could happen. How we deal with it is another story. Get your child into therapy. Don't think that they seem fine. They've forgotten about it. They're not affected by it at all. That's right. Children are very, very resilient. They don't become drug addicts until they're in their 20s. And that can be avoided if you can get them help early. Get them into therapy. Don't decide to get them into therapy when there's a behavioral problem or when they're exhibiting problems of like self-harm or you know they're rebelling. No, get them into therapy as soon as you can. Even if they seem great, I'm sure they are great, but why not give them that advantage? And for you, if this happened to you, and you haven't dealt with it, you haven't processed it with the help of a professional, there's so much more potentially you could be doing. Like, I I know you feel like you've you've worked through it, you don't even think about it anymore, but find a good therapist. Like, it's still there. If you can't talk about it without feeling feelings, 
that are quite upsetting that make you feel filled with anxiety or that take you back there or that fill you with fear or rage or any of those emotions, then there's still processing to be done. Look into a form of therapy called EMDR. EMDR therapy. I don't care what kind of therapy you find, but find a therapist. And don't think that you can just go to one. Consider it like dating, okay? Because a, a good, good therapist is worth its weight or his or her weight in gold. Like it, they will change your life. So don't think the very first one you go to has got to be it. It's a human. It's a human. So it's got to be the right fit. You got to feel like 1000% you can go all the way there with this person. You feel a sense of trust. And you believe in their credentials. Do your homework. Okay, so I wanted this episode to be something that kind of wakes parents up and makes you more cautious, more concerned, not more paranoid. But I also want to pat you on the back if you are that parent that's like, oh no, I need to do a background check on these people. No, my kid is not going to be going on the retreat with a bunch of chaperones whom I have never met on a sleepover. This is not going to happen. I'm not saying you need to helicopter your kids. I'm just saying, like, I've, <laughs> I know too much. There's too many weirdos out there. I'm going to let my kids have lots of fun, take lots of risks, but calculated risks. And I think the riskiest of all is, is people. You know, I'll let them do, you know, adventurous sports and learn to ride motorcycles and jump off cliffs in Hawaii and so they wouldn't have fear but it was my job and I didn't instill that fear with them but I, I really let them believe how important it was to pay attention to their intuition and I'll never forget when one of the very few families that we did allow Sierra to go and have sleepovers at and Brock too Brock had just a few families who we allowed for him to go and spend the night with but we knew those families really really well but Sierra was at a friend's house so she very close friends of ours close friends of ours and uh, I took her over there and they were going through a divorce at the time so I knew it's just nature of the beast both parents were really in their own pain and that's a hard place to be when you're in your own pain it's hard to notice subtle little things and I took Sierra over there and I, you know they were in the middle of their divorce but they were very amicable wasn't like a you know rage kind of thing again we double dated with them for many many years and something didn't feel right for Sierra so she called me said can you come and get me I said sure yeah I'll come and get you she was like, I just yeah I just don't want to be here I'm like okay so boom you know immediately drove over there to pick her up and come to find out the husband had some friends over and they were going to be playing poker whatever a game of poker later that night and a bunch of the guys were coming over but only like one or two had shown up and it just made Sierra a little uncomfortable and I was like oh my god hallelujah because I didn't know that was going on I didn't know they're gonna have a bunch of men over to play poker who I don't know who I haven't run background checks on yeah I'm that mom and if you think I'm crazy and if you find that offensive I don't care I have a responsibility to protect my child. Doesn't mean that I can do that 100%, but I'm not going to knowingly have her be in an environment that I don't feel comfortable with. And in that situation, I'm so grateful that she relied on her own intuition. Probably would have been fine. Probably all great guys. Not a big deal. But something didn't sit right with her. And because I honored that with her, it gave her a sense of pride and confidence in her own 
intuition. And now both my kids, they're so good at reading people's emotional intelligence and having empathy, but also identifying vibe. You know, I mean, teach your kids how to tune into that and then reward them when they're right, you know? Like, make sure that they feel validated. All right. I hope this didn't bring you down. I didn't mean it to. You can heal from this stuff. I've got too many friends who've been, and people I love, people in my own family who've been victims of sexual predators. You can heal from it. But don't try to do it on your own. You know, finding someone who can help you do this, it's like trying to do your own root canal. You can do it, I bet. (laughs) But there are people out there trained to help you get through it and get through it faster and get through it quicker and help you make sense of it. And it's never going to go away, but you can reprocess it. And you can be not just someone who survived, but someone who conquers, conquers the world. Use your voice for good. There's a reason why... Horrible things sometimes happen to amazing people. And I believe that God has a plan for us and those things. So just know that there will be brighter days. You will get through this. You can feel like a completely different person. That pain, that fuzzy, hazy feeling that you sometimes feel because you're trying not to think about the situation the way certain things trigger you, the way it comes up in your head, you don't have to live with that. You don't have to live with that. And and for those parents who are listening and maybe wondered if you could have handled something a little better with your child, having talked to so many people who've had this happen, I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter whether it was 20 or 30 years ago or 10 years ago, they haven't forgotten. And you calling now or reaching out to say, I am so sorry, I believe you, and I am so, so sorry this happened, will make a world of difference. Don't assume that you shouldn't do that because, oh, I don't want to bring it up. I, you know, I don't want to stir up those feelings. Trust me, they're thinking, they think about it every day of their lives. And you can really provide someone a chance to heal by just saying, I'm so sorry. I believed you. I messed up. And I want to make it right. And I mostly want you to know I love you. I'm so sorry. And I believe you. That'll go a long way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I promise the next one will be much, much, much more upbeat. I promise you. Okay. I love you. You You youarethebomb.com. And I'll talk to you soon.